So the, the witch and the stepmother are two faces of the same, same person, right? And in both cases, it's the evil stepmother. And so I always think about that when I'm thinking about strege, because we so we often don't get the other side of the story. Hi, I'm Dina, teacher and reluctant puppeteer turned host of La Bifana's Table, a podcast dedicated to the art of sacred hospitality, where each week listeners are invited to feast on real-life stories of hope and healing, as well as soul-nourishing conversations with folks from all walks of life who are utilizing their gifts in both small ways and large to make the world a more beautiful place. So pull up a seat, tell some friends, and become a part of a legendary story. Welcome back to another episode of La Bavana's Table. I'm your host, Dino Gregory. And on today's episode, I am joined by the incredible Dr. Gina Mielli, who first made her appearance at La Bafana's Table back on episode six. Now, for those of you who are new around here, Dr. Gina Mielli is an assistant professor of Italian and former director of the Cochia Institute for Italian Experience. She specializes in 19th and 20th century Italian folktales, particularly those of Luigi Capuana and Italo Calvino. She currently is working on an annotated translation of the complete collection of fairy tales by Luigi Capuana and a study of how the principles of the Reggio, Reggio Emilia approach to early childhood education can be extended to middle school, secondary school, university settings. And I'm going to just render a guess that they could probably be extended to the podcast settings as well. She's also the creator of the Italian Mystics, Saints, and Visionaries Oracle deck. If you haven't ordered, go ahead and do yourself a favor and get that. Well, she's here joining me today. And man... Obviously, you can tell that I am really excited because basically like Gina has spent her life like, I don't know, immersed in all of the things that make me feel like I'm like a little kid in a candy store. And I basically like want to curl up next to her mind as often as humanly possible. So let's jump right in. She's just giving us like a little taste of some of the wisdom of that we find in folklore and fairy tales. And well, I'm hooked. So tell me about fairy tales and witches. Well, one thing about the fairy, so we're talking about Befana, who is a, a strega, you know, she's buona, but she's a strega. And I'm interested also a lot of my work in folklore. I'm looking at the strega, the folkloric strega in Italy. So Benevento, where my family's yeah. from Piero, Gina and Benevento. So have close family living in Benevento. And when I was just there this past summer, I went to, they have a new museum about the strega of Benevento. So I'm really interested in kind of the folkloric image of the mm. strega throughout Italy. And then of healers in Italy, Guaratrice. Yeah. Okay. But if we're talking about fairy tale witches, so many times, like if you think about the story of Hansel and Gretel, think about the stepmother. She's there in the beginning. She's the reason why the father gets rid of Hansel and Gretel, right? He leaves them out in the woods because she wants them gone because they're eating too much and they don't have enough to go around. And so she convinces her husband to take these two kids out into the woods and leave them there, right? This is the evil stepmother, right? Mm -hmm. They go out into the woods and who do they find? They find the witch, right? They find the witch and she wants to eat them and devour them, right? So another kind of aspect of the woman who wants to devour and destroy, right? So mm -hmm. image of always the woman as being this kind of negative force. And when we go back, when the father finds them and they go back home, where's the stepmother? 
she's gone. She's not there anymore. He he got rid of, so she disappears. So the, the witch and the stepmother are two faces of the same, same person, right? And in both cases, it's the evil stepmother. And so I always think about that when I'm thinking about Strege, because we so we often don't get the other side of the story, right? Yeah. And some people have done really I mean, Gregory Maguire, I think about Gregory Maguire with Wicked, which is of course now on the yeah. incredible Broadway show. But when I first read that book, I was in graduate school. And he actually came to speak to our students in a fairy tale course. And I was fascinated by him because he just took all of these stories of witches and fairy tales and he spun them on their heads and told it from the perspective of the witch. And he did it with Elphaba. He's done it. He has multiple books. If you look, there's- you know, Oh, Cinderella. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, he did. There are multiple novels and he's looking at it from the perspective of religion. What happens when you look at the narrative of the witch from the witch's perspective. And so often it's like a completely different tale. And, and I think that's why I'm looking at the strege and the healers in Italy, just because there's power there, there's magic there, there's medicine there. But like Befana, if you know the story of Befana, everybody in the town was scared of Befana. They thought she was a mean old witch, right? They thought she was evil and they were scared of her and she was cranky and she would come outside and sweep her path and be grumpy in some versions, right? Some of the versions, very grumpy. And so, you know, she'd come out and sweep and she'd yell at them and they were, you know, they were kind of frightened of her, the children of the town. And yet, as you know, in fact, according to some versions, her own child had died. And so she was always her own child. In other versions, she's just looking for the Christ child. But you know, she had a lot of sadness and there was a lot of grief that she was dealing with and most of yep. them. And the way that that manifested in the world was maybe not as kind as she should, as they would have liked her to be, but that doesn't mean that she was all evil. And so when we look at these mm. fairy tales, you know, I always wonder what's the other side of that story? What grief, what tragedies, what experiences in her life led her to be the way she was and why has she been depicted that way? And then what happens is they get frozen in the story in that one version, her narrative, right? So she's she's just the evil, the wicked witch. And Befana, I mean, Befana transcended it because Befana was grumpy and miserable and always cleaning. I didn't realize uh, that there was the grumpy miserableness yeah. of it because oh, at least in the story that I first encountered, which is so funny, right? Like, you know, according to my friend's like children's book version of it, like she was just known for like keeping her village clean not the grumpy aspect of it. So I was never even introduced to that. I was in, like, I had a sense that like, I just kind of let whatever the character was, you know, like, hey, it's good. It's good. Keep everybody a little scared of you. You know, like <laughs> I, that's kind of what came through for, for me. But looking at these other stories where, oh my God, it was like, she lost her child and it was this grief laden thing. She's lonely. We were talking about loneliness before. She, she's lonely. She's by herself. People in the village do not interact with Bethana much. So she's kind of isolated in her home. She's, you know, baking and she's cleaning most of the time, but she's not in communication and conversation with people in her own village, right? Because she's locked herself away, perhaps from the grief. But it really does speak to the story that you're, you know, bringing to the world of come to the table. Bethana herself wasn't at the table initially, right? Right? She was separated, whether it was her own decision to be that way, to lock herself away in her own grief, or because of the way she was perceived by the people around her. But either way, she hadn't invited herself to the table. But this, like, literally, I feel like if that's real, I feel like that's what I'm healing. Like, mm-hmm. because there was this thing and it was just so clear 
She's like, Dina, really? You're going to make a table and not include yourself? And then like, I got into this, like this whole thing of like where we've taught to Mm self-sacrifice throughout ages. And she's like, and none more of this self-sacrificial stuff. Eh, Dina, you are invited to the table. <laughs> and she had to invite herself first. Yeah. So she has a message she could bring to you. Because think about when she when when there were like the knocks at her door. Come with us, come with us. We're on a journey to find the Christ child, right? When when the procession uh, of the three kings and all of the people and all of the animals that were going to find the Christ child knocking at her door. And she said no. I've got to clean. I've got stuff to do. I can't come with you, right? She didn't go with them initially. And then after they left and moved on, after she deprived herself of the opportunity to be in community, Ah, ah. join this journey, she regretted it. Like it took her a little while. She kept doing her. And and then I think like in that moment of isolation and and loneliness, there was this, this little light bulb moment. Oh, wait a minute. I can be with people. I can be on... I also have a calling. My calling and my life don't have to end and I don't have to be stuck in the grief forever, right? There's more to this story, my story. And so then she goes looking for them, right? That's in in some versions, you know, she's running. uh, Tommy DePaolo did a children's version of, of, and in his, she's running and running and she's running so fast and she's getting tired and then she she takes off into the sky, right? With the broom. But in, in all of the versions, she... She's seeking, she's looking for the people that she let go ahead of her, right? And to find them and and she doesn't find them. So she now goes looking in the homes of children and looks for the Christ child. And I, what's, I know, what's the end of her story? Does she ever, does she go back to the village? Probably not. So, Mm. right. So she, so where did, where does she, where's her community now? Is it, is it all of us? So now she, and she came to you. So it's, it's just, it's something to think about. You know, it's something to think about. She and had to find another way to reconnect. That's probably what we should all be asking ourselves. You know, like how that can, one more time. We need, we need that one. I think said twice. <laughs> so she deprived herself. Like we do so many times of community of connection, possibly because of her own grief and then went seeking and didn't find. And so the question you have to ask yourself is, then what? So we miss all the opportunities, but there are always more opportunities to come, right? So so how do you, what happens after you've missed a chance at connection and you even try to find another way to connect? If all of those avenues fail, then what? Right? Your story's not over. Bifanas wasn't over. It's and she and she continues to this day. If you if you believe in this story, you know, if you listen to this. The magic of this story, it's that she's continuing every year to look for the light. Yeah. Typically in children, right? But I mean, really in all of us, she's looking for the light within you. And it might be really dim. It might be really, it might be covered by an intense amount of guilt, shame, and bullshit and cultural indoctrination. And (laughs) that's her gift. That was, that's Bifana's gift. She sees the dimmest light, right? And so- Maybe we're all supposed to be Bifana and we're all supposed to be looking for that little light. Yeah. And to me, that's what that is. Cause like I didn't sign up in life to be a puppeteer. And then I ended up in a pandemic with a freaking puppet. And I was like, yo, this ain't Bifana. I was like, this ain't the urban version of Pinocchio. Like, what do you want? And you brought so much joy to other people, just other people with that story. 
in a very dark time, like that was the little, little dim light, right? And then all the energy, we're all, we, and we all brought oxygen. Those of us that got to participate in some of your um, events, we were, you're the storyteller, we're the community and we're breathing, right? We're all bringing energy to that light so that it could grow. My friend is a, a storyteller. I finally have like owned the wor- storyteller. Like for myself, and I'm like, oh God, <laughs> you know, because I'm like, okay, I'm not an actress, I'm not this, I'm not, but Raconta Fiabe. I'm what? Raconta Fiabe. It's a storyteller. Oh, Fiabe. all right, now I know. <laughs> now you have a name for it. Conta Fab. Racconta, racconta, the verb raccontare in Italian means to, to tell, to recount. Uh-huh. Fiaba is a fairy tale. So oh. racconta fiabe, a stories teller, a tale teller. Wow. I love it so much. I'll, I'll send it to you. Luigi Capuana in his collection of fairy tales has this narrative of the racconta fiabe who goes from town to town telling stories and he runs out of stories and then he takes the stories and he puts them into a bag and he pulverizes them. And from the the decomposed material of the stories he's already told, new stories emerge. Holy God, that's gorgeous. Then like each, so from like, it's from like decomposition comes composition. Yes. He tells the story of this in the first collection of his fairy tales. And then that, character returns in the other collection. So you kind of hear the narrative as, as it's going and he he runs out of tales and he goes and visits somebody named the Mago Trepi, who's really kind of the, there's Giuseppe Pitre, who was a folklorist and a doctor in Sicily. So the Mago Trepi has this big apothecary table full of objects and those objects that inspire more stories. Yes. It's an incredible story. So that's what you are. You're a racconta fiabe. I'm finding it. I'm finding what I am. That's amazing. And I just love how you were saying that, like, I have a friend who's a storyteller as well. And she was just talking about, it's like the audience, it's not this performance, right? It is this, we're in this together. Right. And there's this, you're, you know, you're breathing life into the audience is breathing life into it. And so, you know, kind of after sharing the stories, there's like this, how does everyone else get to add how it touched them? Right. Cause now we're feeding the story. We're keeping it alive. It's like, now it's a living legend, a, a living and breathing story that now has touched different people and they've seen it through their perspectives and their lens and they're going to bring their own thing to it. So I think there's that, which I think we're, I'm like, as I'm talking to him, I'm like, yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> Even, and we're talking about fairy tales, but the back to the story of Padre Pio, my grandmother's telling of that story, I have now told to my children and my children are going to tell to their children. By the time it gets a couple of generations, it's going to be, I'm sure there's going to be all kinds of miraculous things happening in Florida. But in recounting those stories, I mean, I never knew my great grandfather, mm. but I, I knew, I know him as a little boy because of some of these stories. So I got, it's like this, it's this kind of weird time travel that happens. We get to just back and really, I'm, I'm traveling back and sitting at a piazza watching my great grandfather as a little boy with this mystical figure known all around the world who was also once just a little boy, just yeah. a little boy, son of farmers in a small little town in Italy, a little kid like every other kid, right? Mm. 
that's the magic of fairy tales, right? And the stories of all of these stories, even with these stories of some of the saints. I mean, a lot of the saints that I read about were hermits. They lived in caves, you know, so they maybe didn't have that much contact with other people, yeah. but the stories have endured. And so because of the story and the narrative and however, which way they, the stories changed, now they're in contact with a lot of people. Maybe even if in life they were locked in a cave, Santa Rosalia, and Sicily lived in a cave, and there are so many of them that it surprised me how many um, St. Benedict that you know that were living kind of in isolation like Befana. But at some point, you you do connect, right? At some point, some at some point, we even if it's only very infrequently, if the exchange is powerful, that story is going to be carried on. Even mm-hmm. if you're in your cave, the story of that interaction gets passed on, right? So you you kind of you live beyond your own personal story. Yes. Oh my God. This is so, I mean, this is so good. And that's like, and that's why like, I've just kind of gone like, I'm doing it. I'm going to make a lot of fun at table. I'm just gonna have conversation. Cause like, what do I have to worry about? Like, you know, the, the child that Labafana is searching for Jesus Christ, he wasn't like worried about being famous. <laughs> right. <laughs> he made 12 friends and we're still talking about him. <laughs> so true. So true. It's really true. It's fantastic. I think I, I'm really excited to see where you go with this. I'm going to be following along with everyone else because <laughs> there's so much. There's so much here, and it's really, I think, timely. I think it's it's what's needed. I think we're all searching, and um, and I love what you're bringing to the table. Oh, and I love what you're bringing to the table. Thanks so much for pulling up a seat to La Bufana's table. To get episodes sent direct to your inbox as well as other perks such as access to our monthly community and connection hours, be sure to subscribe to my substack, dinagregory.substack.com. Ciao.